when our son Luke was little, he loved playing with Legos. Loved playing with Legos. There would be times when we would be sitting in the living room and everyone would be present except Luke. And we'd wonder, where is Luke? And so we might go searching for him, and often we would find Luke sitting on the floor in the middle of his room, in the middle of a sea of Legos. And it would happen multiple times where we would see him, and we'd find him when we were looking for him in, in his room on the floor in this, in this sea of Legos. Jesus said, where two or three of my followers are gathered together, there I am in the middle of them. If, if you were looking for God, where would you find him? You'd find him right in the middle of his people. You'd find him in the middle of his people. For the past several weeks, those of you that have been with us, we've been in a series we're calling Come Up the Mountain. And from this series, we've discovered that God's heart is not only to be with you, but to show you that he is with you. That's his heart. Like Moses, he wants you to experience his presence. Just like Moses on top of the mountain, his heart is for you to experience his presence. And over the past several weeks, we've learned that some of the places where we experience God's presence, one of those is in Scripture. Another is in silence and solitude. Another place where we experience God's presence is during suffering. But where else? Where else do we experience the presence of God? His people. We experience the presence of God by spending time with his people. Everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. Everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. And we see this all throughout Scripture. And this morning, I just, I just want to kind of take us on a journey to see God's heart, that his heart is to be present with his people. And so the first passage I want us to see is, comes from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 24. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, join me in the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 24. Again, everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. I want us to see God's heart, that his heart is to be present, to make his presence known with his people. Exodus chapter 24 starting with verse 12 to chapter 25, verse 9. For the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. So there it is. God is looking at Moses saying, I want you to come up the mountain, Moses. And he says, I want you to wait there. Why? So that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And Moses says to the elders, the leaders of the people at that time, the leaders of Israel, he says, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute can go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain. And this cloud, so picture this, this cloud covers the mountain. 
And the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered this mountain for six days. And on the seventh day, God calls to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So Moses walks into this cloud that's on this mountain, and he can only hear the voice of God. So he hears God calling to him from this cloud. Verse 17, now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. Now I want you to remember that. Remember that fire, that devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of all the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are at the base of the mountain and they're seeing this cloud and they're seeing this fire. It's crazy. Verse 18, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Chapter 25, verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, so this is all inside this cloud. The Lord says to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me an offering. Take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And so this is what people are putting in the offering plate. All right, if you will. They're, they're putting gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine uh, twined linen, goat's hair. He'll explain later in other chapters what that's all for. It's a unique offering. Tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And then here we go, verse 8 and 9. And he says, and let them make me a sanctuary. Why? That, there, here's, here comes the reason, that I, this is God speaking, that I may dwell in the middle of them, that I might dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So Moses tell, or God tells Moses, I want you to come up this mountain. Moses comes up the mountain, and, and in this cloud on the top of the mountain, God commands Moses to make him a sanctuary, to make him a tabernacle, and that literally means a tent. A holy tent, this, this, a home, a, a dwelling place, a residence. So, so God tells us, I want you to, to make for me a tent. Why? So that I can live right in the middle of my people. I want to dwell in their midst. It means to settle down and live right in the middle of where his people are. And we won't look at it, but in Exodus chapter 33, the glory, that cloud glory, that, that, that comes down and rests on the tent. The cloud that's on the mountain, that comes and it rests on the tent. And so God is saying, all right, Moses, I want you to build for me this, this holy tent, and I'm going to come and I'm going to live inside this tent. And you can read the rest of Exodus to find out what's inside the tent. There's like, like basins of water and altars. And there's, this, there's rooms inside the tent. There's one room called the Holy of Holies, which we talked about several weeks ago. And inside the Holy of Holies, inside that room is this Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and all this. So, so all that's inside this tent where God lives, where God's going to make his presence known to his people. And so, the, so here we have this God, right, who, who has said, Israel, you are my people, and I want to come, and I want to be with you. I want to I live among you. So Moses, go make for me this tent. Have your, have your people make for me this tent. So, so in essence, God's address is this tabernacle, this, this sanctuary right in the middle of his people. 
But God's going to change his address. He's going to move from the tent to someplace else. Go with me to the book of First Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles chapter 28. So we see God making his presence known inside this, this holy tent. First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 11 and 12 and verse 19. Then David gave Solomon, then King David over Israel gave Solomon, his son, the plan of the lobby of a temple, a physical temple, and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, and its inner chambers, and of the room for the mercy seat, and the plan of all that he had in mind for the courts of the house of the Lord, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of the house of God, and the treasuries for dedicated gifts. And then down to verse 19. All this God made clear to me, David, in writing from the hand of the Lord, all the work to be done according to the plan. So King David got frustrated that God lived in a tent. And he's like, we got to build you something better, God. You can't be, we can't just be moving you around in a tent. So, so David has this burden to, to build like a temple. And God says, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled that that you have that burden, but actually I want your son Solomon to build the temple, not you. And so that's what's happening here, is that David hands over the blueprint for the temple, he hands it over to his son Solomon, and now Solomon is going to build this um, elaborate palace. So God is going to move out of the tent, the holy tent, into a physical structure called a temple. And so we're going to see the presence of God move from here into this temple. Well, how do we know? Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So Solomon builds this elaborate building, this, this structure for the presence of God. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we see as soon as Solomon, verse 1, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, so Solomon gives us prayer of dedication. And then what happens? Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So remember that fire on the mountain, fire in the cloud. Now it went to the tent. Now we see that fire transferring over to, to what? The temple. And so you have the fire comes down and it consumes the burnt offering, the sacrifices that are happening inside this, this structure, this temple. And the glory of the Lord, this cloud of the glory fills the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Do we see what's happening here? The fire, the glory, the presence of God that was on the mountain moved to the tent. And now it's moved from the tent into what? This temple. Same God, different address. Different address. I was counting. Andrea and I have been married for 24 years. We have moved at least 10 times in 24 years. We've had at least 
10 different addresses. Some of that involves international moves. 10 different address, addresses. Each, each place special. Each place unique. Each stop unique. The one constant in all those moves was us. The one constant in the move of God is God. In the middle of his people. So we have God from the mountain peak coming, resting inside the tent, moving to the temple, and he's going to change his address again. And this next address involves us. Involves you and me right now, right here. Go with me to the New Testament book, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a house church that was meeting together in Corinth in the first century. And listen to what he has to say to this church, to these people. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And we know he's writing to the church because in chapter 1, verse 2, he says it. To the church of God, that is in Corinth. So in chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You see what's going on? Where God has moved? And he says, do you not know that you, that's plural, that's referring to the group. That's that's not referring to the individual Christian, that's referring to to the church, to the whole. And he's saying the church is this, this new address where God is going to dwell and God's presence is going to be. And he says, God's spirit dwells in you. Again, you is plural, talking about the church. Now Paul is teaching something very profound here. He's saying not only does God's spirit dwell in you individually as a disciple of Jesus, but he dwells on you corporately when you gather as his disciples. As disciples of Jesus, the spirit of God is present. The presence of God is among you. And he's saying you now, you're the temple. You are God's temple. The same God that rested on the mountain, that came to the tent, that moved inside to the temple, is now among his people. Corporately. Fire, cloud, glory. And to drive home the point even more, he says it again in a second letter that he writes to the same church. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 14 through 16. So Paul's just driving home this this reality, this truth, once again. Though everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or demons or evil? 
Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are, again, we, plural, are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. And then he's going to quote from the book of Exodus, chapter 29. And he's going to say, as God said, and referring to the tent, now he's saying that same God that was, he's here over you, church. And he's saying, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. How in the world is that possible? How is it possible that this God who fire, glory, cloud, top of the mountain, moves his address, lives inside a tent, moves his address once again to move inside a temple, and now has moved to his dream home, his people? How is that possible? Answer, the gospel. The gospel. How do we know that? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. For through Jesus, we both, and that's talking about Jew and Gentile. For through Jesus, both of us, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father. We have access to the presence of God. How? Through one spirit. Through one spirit. For through Jesus, we both have access into the presence of God. How? Through the spirit of God. So then, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom, in Christ, the whole structure, talking about not a physical building, but the people being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. How? By the Spirit. It's through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his blood shed on the cross and the empty tomb that when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside that person personally. And then that same spirit who dwells in that person personally connects them to every other disciple of Jesus. So if you've ever seen a home that's made of brick, the spirit, imagine each person that's a follower of Jesus like a brick. And the spirit's the cement in between the bricks that connects us together to build the new home where the presence of God is going to dwell. And that's possible through the gospel. It's possible because of the Holy Spirit. And so we see God making his presence known to Moses on a mountain. He comes and dwells inside a tent. He moves into a temple. And now that same God, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, there I am in the middle of them. You mean to tell me, Jones, that that God, the fire, the cloud, tent, temple, Like, he's present with his people? Yes. And the the road, the road to God's dream home is the gospel. His people. God's home is his people. That's where he dwells. 
Now, let's think about this for a moment. Listen, so, so if that means, that, what, what that, what's that mean for us? It means if you want to experience the presence of God, spend time with God's people. Spend time with God's people. Everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. So can, can we think about that for a moment? Let me just, just give some implications, I think, of what this means for us. So, so think about this for a moment. Think about what we're saying then when we're saying no to being with the church. Think about what that says when we're saying no to being with the church. We're actually saying no to being and experiencing the presence of God in the middle of his people. But on the flip side, when you say yes, I'm going to go spend time with God's people because I'm expecting the presence of God to be there. That's why I'm going. I'm going because God loves to dwell and does dwell in the middle of his people. So I'm going to go be with God's people because God is going to be with his people. So think about the implications of this. So parents, on your level, think about what you're communicating or what we're communicating to our kids when we say, hey, we're going to say no to this so that we can go be with God's people today. What you're communicating to them about the value of being in the presence of God. Or think about it on the other side, if we say, eh, it's not a big deal. Listen, it's way more than just missing a service or missing a gathering. Man, we're missing out on an opportunity to, opportunity to experience, to come inside the tent. <laughs> to, to be in the presence of God. And the reality is, you're the tent. We're the tent. Where God's presence dwells. So think about also how this impacts what we should expect when we get together with other followers of Jesus. We should expect the presence of God. You should expect and anticipate the presence of God, which means you should anticipate the, his power to heal. You should anticipate his power to forgive. You should anticipate his power to redeem and rescue people from sin and darkness. There was a worship night this past Friday night at Abe and Kinsey's house. And somebody was telling me, man, it was awesome. The presence of God was there. We had a healing. We had people get healed of back pain. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we're like, what? Serious? Listen, that should be the norm. Not the exception. Because when we really believe that the presence of God is among us, we should anticipate God to show up and heal and forgive and see his power. I have goosebumps. I mean, that's, that's stuff that should be going on because God loves to show his power and his presence. Where? Right in the middle of his people. But think about, too, the impact this has on the meaning of going to church. You're not going to church. You're coming up the mountain. You are entering into the very presence of God who dwells among his people. But also think about the impact this has on your presence with the church. It gives your presence with the church a whole new meaning. 
Because if you're a follower of Jesus and you gather with the church, God might use you to make his presence known to someone else who's there. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about, God, use me today. When I gather with your followers, whether that be on a Sunday morning, a worship night, a house church meeting, a a, a men's group, a ladies group, whatever it is, prayer time, whatever it might be over dinner, God, use me to make your presence known. It gives your presence with the church a whole new importance, a whole new meaning. Why? Because everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. So let me give us some helps, some helps this morning when it comes to experiencing the presence of God with his people, the church. Let's begin seeing going to or being with the church through the lens of experiencing the presence of God. Let's begin seeing being with one another through that lens. Experiencing the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, we just read it. God says, I will dwell in the midst of my people. So when we're gathering, even this morning, right, listen, there are mornings I don't want to be here. I'm just being truthful, right? It could be the enemy attacking me. It could be I'm just discouraged. I told Anderson, man, I'm really struggling with anxiety lately, a ton. But when you begin to understand and begin to see, no, I... So it's like the Spirit of God saying, no, 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 Mark, you need to be with God's people. You need God's people. You need them, and they need you. So that they can experience the presence of God through you. And I can experience the presence of God through you. And so can we begin seeing the going and being with the church more through the lens of experiencing the presence of God? Second, show up. Show up. Hebrews 10, 25. Listen, in the first century, the church was abandoning. Some of the people in the church were abandoning being with the church. It's hard to experience the presence of God with the church when you're not with the church. It just is. And so we need to show up. Show up when your house church gathers. And be there. If you're not part of a house church community, man, jump into one. Start one. And that leads us to the third help. Help us as a church. Our vision as living church is to start and plant new house church living communities. That's our vision. That's, that's what we believe God has called us to do. So now let's, let's connect this for a moment. If when God's people gather, the presence of God is there. Does our city not need the presence of God? Does, does our city need the presence of God? Yes, absolutely. Most people of our city aren't going to come here on a Sunday morning. They're not even going to show up to a worship night. But they might show up in your home with a few other believers of Jesus over dinner. And so imagine one over here, one over there, one in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, wherever it might be. Imagine what God might do. He might bring his presence to your neighborhood, to your street, to your town, to your village. As believers of Jesus Christ get together because wherever they gather, Jesus said, I'm there. I'm all in. I'm with them. Even we've seen this within our own family. We have a nephew. Andrea's sister called us a couple weeks ago. And our nephew, he's in his 30s. He's stiff-armed to the church, stiff-armed Jesus probably for 15 years or so. Hasn't really wanted anything to do with Jesus or church. Grew up in it, but just has kind of turned from it. Well, at his work, he had a coworker whom he respects. 
greatly. Invite him over to his house for just what he called table talk. And so our nephew and his girlfriend, they went. And they had an amazing conversation around the table just for table talk. Just because his coworker invited him into his home. It was that family, I think there was another couple there, some others. But through that, our nephew was able to hear once again the value of who Jesus is and the importance of Christ just because someone simply opened up their home and invited him in. Why? Why does that happen? And what I think our nephew experienced was the presence of God among his people. That's what he experienced, was the presence of God among his people. So pray about getting some people together to start new house churches where you live. If you're like, I don't, I don't really feel the burden to lead one, but I'll host one, then you go to your living community pastor and say, hey, we'll host one, find us a leader. Or maybe you have a burden. You say, I want to kind of learn more about how to start one. And God's burdening me for my, li- for my neighborhood. Then talk to me. Talk to uh, your living community pastor. We have what we call this pastor's pipeline that we can put you in and train you so you're not feeling like, I don't know what to do. We can help you with that. Or maybe you just help your current living community house church be praying and make it a, a, an important part of your prayer agenda to be praying about starting a new house church. Why? So that so that people can experience the presence of God through his people. That's why. I'm going to ask the band to come. And I want us to be thinking about this. But let me take a stat, step back for a moment from our, from our journey up. All right, let me take a step back from our journey up the mountain. Listen, if we experience God and his presence in Scripture, if we experience his presence in silence and solitude, if we experience his presence during suffering, and if we experience his presence spending time with God's people, but God's people don't spend time with him in Scripture. We're too busy for silence and solitude. We orchestrate our lives around comfort and convenience rather than taking risks for Christ and his kingdom. And we spend time on occasion with his people. Is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that disciples of Jesus lack the presence of God, the fire, the cloud? Is it any wonder? And I fear that so many Christians, they want the mountain peak without the climb. Let's not be that. Because we fail to realize that not only is God present at the peak, he's present in the climb. Just imagine, imagine with me for a moment, if every person that's here, every disciple of Jesus was intent in scripture, was taking time for silence and solitude, was reorchestrating their lives to take risks for Christ and his kingdom rather than comfort and convenience and was making a priority to spend time with God's people. Imagine what God would do. Not only in us, but through us with the people who need him. Because everywhere the people of God are, the presence of God is. God has moved from the mountain to the tent to the temple and He's here. Now. Right now. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you right now about who he is, about his presence? 
And maybe what do you need to begin saying no to so that you can say yes to experiencing his presence with the church? And that's the challenge. That's the challenge this week is to just simply say yes to the church. Why? Because God is present with his people. He's present with his people. 